Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. It is Tuesday, January 8th, or 9th, excuse me, 2024. Today in Baton Rouge, you can expect partly cloudy skies with a high of about 52. You can catch us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, on the OTB ESPN Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us on YouTube on the 104.5 ESPN channel. In hour one of OTB, we will recap the national championship between Washington and Michigan, and we'll talk some LSU football. Hour number one of Off the Bench, live from the Mercedes of Benz of Baton Rouge Studio, starts now. All-Star Toyota presents Off the Bench with Jacob Hester and T-Bob Hebert. Yeah, 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 yeah! Off the Bench with Hester and T-Bob. All-Star Toyota presents Off the Bench with Hester and T-Bob. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, what's happening, everyone? Welcome in. Welcome in. January 9th, as Taylor just told you. This is OTB, T-Bob, Alondra, and Taylor with you in studio today. Uh, I think Jake might have been on air till like 3 a.m. last night, so I might check in with him a bit later. But, um, yeah, uh, the end of another college football season. And uh, what... And then it was in some ways, right? I mean, the champion is interesting. The game was a bit of a slog at times, or at least this is how I would describe the game, uh, because I do want to push back on this idea that it was, well, we'll get into all of it, but the game kind of uh, waffled in this purgatorial state, right? Where it was not a bad game, but it was on the edge of getting bad the entire time. But it was also on the edge of getting really good, right? It, it, there was this tension the entire time. But massive, massive credit to the Michigan Wolverines and that defense especially as Washington's offense just could not find a way to break through and could not find a way to make it a game. And then at the very end, Michigan snowballs and you are, 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 are met with a dominant Michigan Wolverine national championship team. I mean, a team now that has, what, lost one game in the last two years, a perfect 15-0 and season. And, yes, they scheduled cupcakes and they scheduled BS at the beginning of the year, but ending with wins over Penn State, Ohio State, Iowa, Alabama, and Washington, 
who was clearly the second best team in the country, and I will not hear any of your small brain arguments as to why they were not. I, 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 I am so fed up with Alabama and Georgia fans just consistently thinking they're just better than anyone and ignoring all of the football evidence that matters and may say otherwise. Like all these Alabama fans, oh, okay, well, uh, Washington beat the team that beat you by 10 in Tuscaloosa. And they never lost the lead. Like they never, like Texas, if Dylan Johnson doesn't go down, then then yeah, then, then, then Texas never even has a chance to win that game. Oh, but the game was in September. Well, guess what? Washington got better. Uh, Texas got better as well. And Georgia, you were overrated all year long. And then you go and you lose to Alabama, who wasn't actually that good. Like, show me where Jalen Milrow in this offense. So I don't mean to start it this way, but there's just been a lot of this that I've seen online. And my overall point in saying this is that these are the two best teams in the country for college football this year. And Michigan is an undisputed champion. And you have to give them their roses. And I would say they're a very satisfying champion and that clearly they were the best team in the sport. Now, the main debate coming into this game was which was going to be more true, right? Or, yeah, there were two truths, right? Michigan had never played an offense like this. Washington had never played a defense like this. Well, I ended up being wrong, right? I thought that in this day and age that quarterbacks and weapons and overwhelming offense that that's actually how you win these matchups nowadays and that and then that, that would beat a great defense every time and Michigan won this debate and it wasn't even close and in doing so they kind of fly in the face of a lot of our modern theory about college football and team building and whatnot and styles to win and really that's what Jim Harbaugh and Michigan have been doing for years now and if you look at the game last night some will want to go out some will want to blame uh the Washington defense the Washington defense had an awful start make no mistake about it right but they did their part they actually somehow after getting run over looking completely outclassed like wasn't even be close they actually somehow rallied they held strong and what was the final score? 33? 34? 34-13. I, I view the Washington defense as having functionally given up 27 points, right? And then you get the pick from Sanderson and you get the snowball effect, right? Um, if you would have told Washington pregame you would allow 27, I think they would have taken that. I think that's a very realistic landing spot for how you evaluated this Michigan offense in that Washington defense. And so those were the weaker sides of the ball for both teams. Ultimately, the strength on strength was going to be that point that we just talked about, that battle between this incredible Washington offense, this excellent Michigan defense, and who would make the plays. Could they confuse Penix? Could they win those one-on-one balls? And the answer is a resounding yes. I mean, when you're on this stage, if you want to win a championship, your best players have to show up in the biggest moments. Will Johnson showed up. The pick that he had was unreal. As a Washington running back, plays about as good as you ha- can. Coming out of half, Washington has all the momentum. First play, 
Will Johnson finds a way, like as it's being batted out of his hands, to fall, stay in bounds, and come up with a pick. Mikey Sanders still showed up. Tackles, picks, leadership, everything. J.J. McCarthy showed up. The Michigan O-line definitely showed up, but without one of their best players. Edwards and Corum, Page, everybody. None of the Washington guys that you've relied upon all year long made plays. I mean, Adunze, I guess you could say, did because at times he was open and Penix missed him, and that's just the nature of wide receiver. It's a weird position where you are dependent upon another person and your success is contingent upon that person. But nobody should have for Washington. But but one thing I want to fight against is this idea that it was Washington just playing poorly. I think this was Michigan forcing them to play poorly, right? Like when you see Michael Penix Jr. look so incredible all year long in both the or and, and especially in the biggest stages, right? Not to say he didn't have bad games, but generally on the biggest stages, he was really good. Really good in both Oregon games against a very good defense. Um, absolutely magical against Texas in the semifinal. It's a very good front seven. Now the difference is Michigan is the most complete team in the entire country. And they were able to get pressure with four. And then the coverage on the back end was just better than anything that Penix and Washington had seen all year long. And, and, and one of the plays, that, and they also confused. I mean, great Jesse Minter and uh, Sharon Moore are two of the best coordinators in the entire country. And the one of the plays I keep going back to, so it was, it was, it was so fascinating, right? Michigan comes out, and we're talking like makes a statement. Eight plays right down the field, five of the plays are first downs. The, 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 the big weakness when you talked about that side of the ball or the big matchup there was going to be, like, clearly Michigan should have a ton of success running the ball. Well, they put, like, an exclamation point on All of a sudden, Washington's feeling like, okay, we got to score. And this is where you're – um, and, and, and when you're talking about how, like, I ended up favoring Washington and how if you believed in Washington where you landed, it was just kind of an over-the-top sort of ethereal trust – in the, in the magic of Michael Penix. And so this is what you're counting on that first drive. And in that first drive, you end up having to use two timeouts, adding extra pressure to make that investment pay off. You have to get in the end zone. It's third and goal. Washington sends him Herbie did such a fantastic job of breaking it down live. But I think this one play is very representative of how it went so wrong for Penix all night long. So Washington sends a man in motion. The read, as a, as, as a defender follows him, uh, makes Michael Penix think that it's man coverage. Uh, only the safety hangs back, knowing a crosser's coming. So Penix, um, the read that he think he has nailed pre-snap is suddenly thrown into disarray, and, and the pass rush is picked up. But if you talk to a great quarterback, when you're dealing with pass rush, it's never as much sight as it is feel and your internal clock. And so even if there's no pressure a lot of times, if you held on to it for three seconds and you know that like 90% of the time, that's when a sack is incoming, you start to freak out a little bit. You start to speed up. So, the, so it's actually picked up pass rush-wise, but you can see his internal clock, alarm bells ringing, and he tries to quickly switch the dudes and he misses the throw. Did Penix miss the throw? Yes. But it was a forced error, not an unforced error. And then the pass rush starts to get home later in the game, and they just beat the hell out of him, and then he's clearly just a shell 
of himself. If there was one moment in which you could say maybe a bit unforced or just like that Pinnock's going to have it or this type of moment you have to have, again, I still think not having it is more about going what's been the best pass even in the entire country all year long. But it's the 17-3 to fourth down play where you had a wide-open Roma Dunze. Pinnock showing a little too much fear of the safety there, trying to lead him too much to the outside. Where it's fourth down, maybe you play a bit more risky. Maybe you bend it a bit more in and be willing to have that safety break it up because, or or, or pick it off because, it's again, it's, it's fourth down. Like, the worst thing you can do is just throw it to where Dunze doesn't even have a chance to catch it. And unfortunately, it wasn't a wide margin, but, you know, these are the margins. Just a foot or two out of Roma Dunze's reach. And at that moment, that felt like ball game. That felt like Michigan was going to make it 24-3. So that's why I say credit the Washington defense because they stuck around. They hung tough. They set the Huskies up for the Wombo combo, the score before half, score right coming out of half. The best combination in all of football in that middle eight. And Washington made someone exciting. Looked like maybe they would. And then that Michigan defense and Will Johnson, their best player, their superstar, shows up in the second half and gets that pick. Um, and so here you have an offense in Washington that consistently was great all year long, but consistently couldn't come through. Again, the two timeouts on the first drive, uh, the missed fourth down throw when it was 17-3, the intercepts we gave seven and a half, then the drop third down in the second half from the freshman, that would have been a pretty big conversion. The holding penalty on the first play that Washington finally got a big play. But again, these mistakes, in my opinion, are not unforced. They were forced by a great and the most complete defense in the entire country. And I find that satisfying. Like, as a viewer, the game was not great, but the champion is satisfying. That is clearly the best team in the entire country. We said it yesterday. They're just too complete. There was no glaring weakness. It was just that, like, could the advantage of quarterback and weapons... And battle-tested nature pushed Washington over the top. But again, I was guilty of discrediting Michigan's own battle-tested nature. When you look at Penn State, Ohio State, Iowa, Alabama, the big wins that I mentioned, those were battles. Those were close games. And yet Michigan controlled every game, much like they did last night, almost with the feel of like a like a boa constrictor. And people may say, oh, but look at J.J. McCarthy's final stat line. It's garbage. He didn't play well. Well, again, I disagree. He did what he had to do. Not play, It's just that Michigan plays with a style that is out of time and out of place in a lot of ways. It's old school. It's Bo Schimbeckler. It's a great offensive line, dominant running tech, throwing just enough, and then just dominant, dominant, swarming defense. And so some will tell you it was a sloppy game. Again, I think we I think I think this is one of the issues. Um when you see a ton of points scored, we never say sloppy. We normally just say great offensive football. When you see a Washington D offense get held to 13, we say sloppy instead of great defensive football. And who would have ever fathomed that Michigan would end up here after 2020? A year in which they went 2-4. and four. A year in which we were all getting these jokes off about Harbaugh didn't have it. Harbaugh needed to be fired. Michigan needed to move on. It's a testament to a couple of things. Nine years 
it took Jim Harbaugh to build this thing. I know that sounds weird because if you're my age, it probably feels like not that long ago Jim Harbaugh got this job, but no, time moves fast, right? Nine years ago, nearly a decade, Harbaugh's been building this thing, incrementally improving. You remember the Michigan-Michigan State punt that went awry and lost in that game back in the day? I think that might have lost him a spot in the playoff. Um, couldn't win the big game. Couldn't beat Ohio State. They say they created the beat Ohio State period. They did it. Couldn't beat Georgia. And then it was like, well, you'll never beat Georgia or Alabama playing their game. You're not going to create this old school bully ball team in the Big Ten and be able to beat the big dogs of Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. They created a beat UGA period. And I would say that beating Alabama checks that box. Incremental improvements, slowly bettering themselves day by day over nine years, and now it culminates in a 15-0 national championship season. A testament to patience and process. And for the leadership of Michigan, for having the balls to stick by your guy if you really believe in him. And I know, like, what, like Harbaugh took pay cuts, I believe, at times, but they, they, they didn't get too reactive and that's not to say don't don't misconstrue me as saying that like you always have to have patience with someone right like if we look at the saint to dennis allen i don't think there's any reason to have patience because i don't think the ceiling is high and i don't think it's ever going to get right and i don't think his players really like like whatever i'm just saying in this you have to evaluate as a leader you have to evaluate in every situation how do i really feel about this guy and credit to michigan leadership because they decided to stick with Jim Harbaugh through that bad. And after going two and four in 2020, you go 12 and two, 13 and one, 15 and oh, a consistent incremental climb. Nothing fluky about it. Hell of a job. If you are a Michigan fan today, enjoy this because um, I don't think anybody can call into question what you earned this year um all right here's what we're gonna do go to break when we get back uh let's talk about i i, I want to talk a bit more about blake baker uh me and taylor in the document were kind of discussing like potential coaches for uh position coaches and and we can get into some of that but in kind of starting to think about that what i really ended up thinking about was maybe just how exciting blake baker is going to be for this linebacker room specifically so we'll break that down next here on OTB. Off the bench with Hester and T-Bob. ESPN Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, and 1130 The Tiger. K2Z window coverings. K-T-O-Z blinds.com. You're watching the game yesterday in your outdoor living space. Maybe you're watching the game like the man cave or something. And you got a glare on the TV. Freaking sucks. Well, that's where K2Z comes in. Take advantage of their decades of experience in the game, their expertise. Get that free estimate as they walk through your home. See exactly how it's situated, where the light hits certain times of day. Find you the answer both functionally and aesthetically. Like if you want to take your home to the next level, the interior of your dreams, K to Z, they're the partners to help get you there. So have Brandon Barton out to your home today. 
It's K2Z window coverings. Window coverings at WOW. KTOZblinds.com. All-Star Toyota presents Off the Bench with Hester and T-Bob, ESPN Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, and 1130 The Tiger. Oh, my God, dude. I mean, right when you open the chat, Enoch, Bam and Georgia would beat Washington. Bama lost by 10 to Texas at home, and Washington beat Texas to the point where Texas never even had the ball with the ability to take the lead until the final moment. And they only got that opportunity because Dylan Johnson had a freak injury in what should have been the game any play. Shut up. How, how, how do we get so confident in our own analysis to where the football doesn't matter? Everybody had their shot. Georgia wasn't that good. Not by Georgia standards. Obvious weaknesses. Like, uh, Taylor, go look at box scores. Find me the good defense that Alabama's offense did anything against. There is none. There's no great impressive win. There's no great moment. Alabama, you're telling me the team that needed a 4th and 31 miracle to beat Auburn, who was god-awful this year, is just better than Washington? That's hubris, y'all. That's pride. That is so stupid. Like, the football has to matter. I hate that this is where this conversation going, but it seems like it's so prevalent right now. And that's like what kept Florida State out, is that same damn attitude. Just this belief that uh, Alabama or Georgia would have went Alabama. No, they didn't. Like, you still cannot convince me that FSU, even without Jordan Travis, could not have played Michigan as well as Alabama did because that defense were some absolute dogs and could have shut Alabama down in a similar fashion, or as well as Michigan played them. Um, Champs to shut up, T-Bob. The best team doesn't always win. Uh, then, then why crown a champion? What are you talking about? Why crown? And 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 I, and I feel it. You could say that maybe sometimes teams are better than others. I just don't think that's the case with Washington this year. And I don't think it's fair at all to dismiss Washington in the way that you did because Michigan came out and won in a semi-dominant fashion. That's more of a credit to Michigan than it is a a a a knock against Washington. And why don't we do it in any other sport? The nine and seven Giants beat the eighteen and zero Patriots, and yet no one sits there and talks about how the Patriots are better. It's just college football where we ignore the results and we're like so uh, obsessed with our own viewpoints that we think that, oh, this, yeah, like exactly, like Edward O says, we all know Georgia was really the best team. Then why'd they lose to an Alabama team that lost twice and should have lost thrice? What are we talking about, guys? At a certain point, give respect to the actual game, to the, to the game that is played between the lines, to the on-field results, not recruits. Not who you think should win. Not who you bet on. Scott, week two versus week 14, says Champ, talking about the Alabama loss. Okay, you don't think Texas got better? What are we talking about? Texas got better too. Texas was rolling at the end. That's how, when we're debating who gets in the playoffs, Texas wasn't even in the debate. They were in because they were playing so well and they dominated the Big 12 championship so much. Ay, ay, ay. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Just crazy to me. Crazy to me. Congrats to Michigan, though. And congrats to Washington. It was an awesome year. I don't know what they're going to do after Michael Penix Jr., but... It was an awesome year. Watch me out. All I know is LSU goes 15 and 0 with the top 50 defense this year. I, I look, I think, I think, I think LSU, without a doubt, championship, as championship relevant as Alabama, Michigan, Washington, if you would have had a championship defense. Like as awesome as Michael Penix Jr. is and has been this entire year, Jaden Daniels is better. And I was not one of the people like doing the, the you know, the the victory lap, like, is this your king? from Black Panther that everybody was doing last night about Michael Phoenix Jr., but I get why LSU. It's, you know, LSU fans love their guy, right? And they're not going to take any slander on their highest winner. I feel that. And, like, I don't think, I think the one player that would have beaten this Michigan defense or, you know, really made them struggle would have been Jaden Daniels. That's how good that man was. Best player in the country. That's why he won the Heisman. But LSU didn't have a top 50 defense. Now they're tasked with bringing in a man who is go? I okay. I, I can't. I can't have this. I gotta just close the chat for just a minute. Um, now they're tasked with bringing a man who can get them to the top fifty, and that's Blake Baker. Uh, real quick, Taylor, you wanted to have this conversation about like who we maybe like for each position coach spot. I I don't know that I have any very strong opinions here. I mean, I I'm I'm a I'm, I'm a basic boy. Love Corey Raymond, right? You could somehow get Bo Davis, which feels impossible given the amount of money he makes. Sure, that'd be like a dream, you know. LSU guy, incredible resume, really would develop that D-line excellently. Uh, did you have any names that you specifically wanted to mention? Uh, you know, he's a guy that's flown under the radar a little bit. He's a D-line coach. Look, I love Bo Davis as well. He makes $1.1 yeah, million yeah. Dollars in and taxes. you just paid two five, you paid and two you're paying five for a DC. Yeah, that's... That's a lot to pay for a D-line coach. A name that's been thrown out a little bit, though, is Eric Henderson with the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. I mean, we know he has a ton of talent on that D-line. He's coached Aaron Donald. Uh, he went to college at Georgia Tech, but he grew up in New Orleans and played football at yep. Ed Dakar. He, he knows how to recruit that New Orleans area. He's from that area. Um, the last time he was a college defensive line coach was UTSA under Frank Wilson as yep. head coach. So there's familiarity there as well. Uh, he's been a really good D-line coach in multiple stops. He's a guy that I think LSU should take a look at. Yeah, uh, definitely, right? And anytime you work with Aaron Donald uh, and then you, like, are talking to college kids, I feel like that plays. Um, I, I Again, I, I don't know if I can speak to, like, the quality of his coaching, but you don't you don't become a NFL D-line coach by accident, right? Uh, especially not with someone as shrewd as Sean McVay uh, making those calls. So that would definitely be someone to pursue. So what what I kind of ended up getting on, and again, I am really enjoying, again, this is not a sponsorship, guys. This is not a free ad. This is just me trying to credit what I believe will be great work. I am really enjoying my On3 membership, and I think Matthew Brune does a really excellent job uh, breaking down just the LSU news cycle, and Shady the whole team. But uh, Brune had a fantastic article looking at Blake Baker and the linebacker growth specifically 
that he has uh, done in his career. And we all know, look, we know about the numbers in terms of the overall turnaround in the zoo defense, right? I think they went from giving up like 32 a game a couple of years ago when he got the job to now 20 a game. It went from the 100 in teams to a top 30 defense this year. Uh, so overall, it was great. But we remember what he did with Damone Clark, turning him into a butt-kiss finalist. Um, I didn't realize, uh, really, this is just not paying enough to Jim Mizzou, but their linebacker this year, Tyron Hopper, was also a butt-kiss finalist. And this was a guy that was at Florida for three years, not really making any waves. He comes to Mizzou, much like Clark. All of a sudden, he goes from kind of just in the background to a true star. In his two years, 19 and a half TFLs, five and a half sacks, 132 tackles. Smaller guy, 6'2", 220. Made him really good in pass coverage. Great at rushing the passer. You know what's crazy about Damone Clark? Do you remember how good Damone Clark's numbers actually were that season? I did not until I came across this again in Bruins' piece. Damone Clark, who was awful. We thought, like, really bad. Like, some of the worst linebacker play we'd ever seen. The next year after Pelini had, in one in 12 games, 135 tackles, 15 and a half TFLs, five and a half sacks, four pass breakups, and two forced fumbles in 12 games. And this is at 6'3", 240. So in Hopper, you have someone who's on the smaller side, 6'2", 220. In Clark, you have someone on the bigger side, 6'3", 240. And yet, what did Blaker do? Blaker. <laughs> he made them both into Buckus finalists. And now, he gets his hands on Whit Weeks, Greg Penn, Harold Perkins. Talented incoming freshman. Ooh, boy. I mean, you cannot tell me. Look at those sack numbers for Hopper and Clark. Guys, this is not financial advice, but I would buy stock in Percules right now. I, I and, and, and regardless of what position he ends up playing, whatever, I feel so abundantly convicted that Blake Baker is going to be able to do what we begged Matt House to do from this last year, which was maximize Harold Perkins, feature him, create with him, Use this, uh, you know, torpedo of a human being, this this just rocket ship of a man that you have. Use him, feature him, make him effective. Don't hide him. Don't ask him to do pedestrian things. Set him up to do great things. It was one of the greatest sins of this last season defensively. There's a Mike Golick Jr. tweet that's burned into my head. I think it might be from the Alabama game, but it was watching Harold Perkins Jr. play football this year makes me sad. And because that's a guy that was supposed to be the fourth best player in all of college football coming into the year and still found his way to some pretty respectable stats and still was the only guy that really flashed consistently on this LSU defense, but still so much potential. So much meat left on the bone. Well, you got you got a carnivore in Blake Baker that I think that's going to eat all that meat up. I think I think I think I think Harold Perkins is going to return to true Percules form and even then beyond. Like like reach a final form. Harold Perkins is going to go super sane. And look, we saw the potential of Whit Weeks. Great ball instincts, great speed, solid tackler, 
It's a hell of an attitude bang there. It looks like he's straight out of days and confused. Uh, and then who knows what he can do with Greg Penn, right? Somebody who would be a bit more of the Clark profile, a bit bigger, a bit more plotting, been a bit up and down. I'm excited. I'm excited for Greg Penn to get a. Uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm more of a, like I, I like I can see the potential of Weeks and uh, Perkins, and I think that's going to be awesome. Penn, I'm a little more unsure about where that ceiling is, what that potential is. But I again, what you want out of a coach is: Are you elevating guys? Or are you dragging them down? And I believe that when it comes to that position group, like he's going to elevate the entire defense. But when you think about Blake Baker coaching those linebackers specifically, what well, starts to become um, very exciting. So, shout out Blake Baker. Maybe he can work that magic with Harold Perkins and get his third butt kiss finalist in the last four years. Uh, all right, when we get back here on OTB, some potential big recruiting news for the Tigers. LSU staying hot right now. Uh, we're going to talk to Matt McMahon and Coach Mulkey in hour number two. We got OTB mailbag, Nick Underhill later. Keep it locked right here on Off the Bench. Off the Bench with Hester and T-Bob. Go to allstartoyotabatonrouge.com, allstartoyotabatonrouge.com. Whether you're buying new, a Toyota certified used vehicle, uh, whatever you need, All-Star Toyota has a selection for you. But, uh, again, I, I keep hammering the body shop and the service center. And it's because, like, that's who I use, right? And 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 this is not just if you have a Toyota or, or anything. It's all makes and models. You go into that service center and you get your car worked on, whatever it needs. You get an accident, insurance claims are welcome. You get that free professional estimate. They send you text updates throughout their actual people text, right? And you text back. They immediately respond. No big decisions are made without you making the final call and you stay abreast of the situation the entire time. They have the shuttle service that will drop you off your home, pick you back up. They have rental cars ready to go right there on site at cheaper per day rental prices than traditional rental companies. What are you waiting for? All-Star Toyota, Mention OTB. All-Star Toyota presents Off the Bench with Hester and T-Bob. ESPN Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, and 1130 The Tiger. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to OTB. T-Bob, Alondra, Taylor hanging out with you this morning. Um, Champ saying that video of that dude at Bass Pro the other day reminded me of T-Bob at Texas Day, Brazil. I mean, getting a lot of that, guys been getting a lot of that okay look 90 percent of us probably would not like to go viral swimming naked in a bass pro shop fish tank okay water's cold there's uh, the vast majority are not going to be bringing anything impressive to bear but do not slander me to that extent, okay? Do not slander me to that extent. That was a medical issue 
that that man has, okay? Get the hell out of here, champ. And everybody else, chat, freaking Twitter. So many photoshops of my face on his as he's being led away in handcuffs, swimming around in the water. And no, once again, I never swing meat at Texas State Brazil. That did not happen. I don't know who put that on message boards back in the day, and y'all made me feel so insecure to the point, and yes, I'm a degenerate of enough partier where I actually had to call my best friends and make sure that this never happened. But no, I did not. I mean, it is the meat house. Like, I get it. It's, 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 it's probably the most appropriate restaurant in which to do so. Cards on green. I got it. But no, I was just trying to re- eat the house special wrapped in bacon. I was busy stuffing my cargo shorts with those delicious little cheese balls that you don't want to eat there because they expand in your stomach, so you take them home with and you eat them later. Because like we've talked about on this show, eating at a buffet or an all-you-can-eat style thing is such an odd, gluttonous affair where you feel like you have to get one over on them. Like, ha! I just ate $100 of meat and only paid for 60 Joke's on you. Do I feel awful? Can I feel my blood slowing down and my capillaries constricting? Yeah, but I came out ahead. Nerds. I did not do it at Fogo de Chao either, chat. That is not true. Um, Jeez. Uh, I forgot. Oh, yeah, this is what we're going to talk about here. Uh, forgot a second. We actually, you know what? Let's let's save the Kindle Bussy talk because it probably needs a an entire segment. So I got some fillers here. Uh, shout out Jordan Wright, man. We're gonna talk to Mac McMahon in hour number two, and I'm I'm the most guilty of ignoring this men's basketball team. As my Alabama friends have tried to mess with me about their rise in basketball, I've simply said, like, what's men's basketball? It's like a club sport, right? It's like it's like hockey, like, 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 like rugby. That's cool, man. Yeah, congrats. I'm happy for y'all. Um, and ultimately, at LSU, like, men's basketball is going to have to win for people to care. And they're in a tough spot because resources are limited. And they play in maybe the most high-resource game on a per-player basis, right? I mean... Basketball college players been getting paid and been getting paid big bucks. And if you're committing money to LSU right now, you're probably football first, baseball second, women's basketball right there with him. Like, yeah, just far down in the pegging order. So Matt McMahon is kind of operating under an impossible set of circumstances. And to go on the road and get the win over Texas A&M the way that he did, huge shout-out. And a huge shout-out to Jordan Wright. How about it? Co-SEC Player of the Week. 20 points, 10 boards, 2 assists, 2 steals, a block. And in that win, to give you an idea of what tough sledding it's been, stopped a 13-game road losing streak for LSU that went all the way back to February 22. What's going on, Taylor? Did you raise? You... Oh, there's like that dandruff commercial where you give like the, the wrong signals. Does anybody remember that? Head and shoulders commercial no, I, I know years exactly ago. What you're talking about. No, no, no. It's just in my headset. But look, you, you like held up me. a finger. <clears throat> you called on me. I'm just your well, headset uh, normally. Okay. I apologize. <laughs> no, Jordan Wright's been a been a godsend to this basketball team. You know, he's a fifth year senior. Uh since he came in, that offense has flourished since they put him in the starting lineup. Because you have Jalen Cook now. So you got your point guard, right? 
your spacing's been a lot better. Your distributing's been a lot better. Jordan Wright, he's the score first guard that you were looking for. We yeah. talked about it all the time. McMahon's best teams has been with dominant guard play. You might have a pretty good combination now with a Jordan Wright and a Jalen Cook. You also got Mike Williams, the freshman, off the bench. This backcourt's going to continue to get better as the season goes along. All right, coming up next, now we'll talk some recruiting. And again, we got McMahon and Mulkey coming up in hour number two. Keep it locked right here on OTB. Off the bench with Hester and T-Bob. Get Gordon and get it done. Gordon McKernan, injury attorneys. 225-888-8888. Really, it's any area code. 88. 88. Um, you need someone who's going to fight for you and get you what you deserve. When you get into an accident, you can be bullied by big insurance companies. Uh, and that's where Gordon comes into play go follow him on social media at get gordon and uh there's it's 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 a very um diverse array of content you'll get kind of general life and business tips you'll get tips on what to do when you get in an accident like what are the correct text steps to take to make sure that you're protected and you get what you deserve and you'll get a lot of great content with your favorite athletes in the grubwood g series where you sit down and, and get to learn how your favorite athletes tick or, or Coach Kim Mulkey or any of these great members of the G team. So get Gordon and get it done today. All-Star Toyota presents Off the Bench with Hester and T-Bob, ESPN Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, and 1130 The Tiger. Uh, program director says this is one of the worst natties I've ever watched. I mean, it's definitely not one of the better ones, right? I mean, 21 nothing was worse. Last year was definitely worse. It's, it, it is kind of a frustrating game because, again, it was on the edge of getting really good for the entire game, but it was also on the edge of getting really bad and then eventually went the bad way. Um, so I can agree with that. Again, though, I, 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 it's, 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 it's a worse natty because Michigan was the most complete team in the nation beginning and end. We thought they were probably the best team in the nation beginning of the year. We waffled in the middle, and at the end, they didn't finish the season necessarily strong but they were clearly the best team in college football all over the place. Um, oh, okay, so LSU recruiting news. Terry Bussey, is that a name that means anything to you? Uh, I don't know. Probably not, right? I don't know how close you follow recruiting. Uh, Terry Bussey is a five-star athlete um, that is currently committed to Texas A&M. He is going to sign in February. Now, of course... You've already flipped four. You flipped four Texas A&M commits. Like, nobody has reaped more reward, and nobody has suffered worse uh, in terms of the coaching turnover at Texas A&M than what Brian Kelly has done to Mike Elko and that staff. They took Dominic McKinley recently, who's the five-star uh, defensive lineman. They took Weston. Like, it's all the biggest names in the class, Right. It's McKinley. It's uh, what, what's 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 the big tackle's name from Texas? Oh, Weston Davis, five star, uh, Acadiana, uh, or excuse me, uh, that's Dominic McKinley, the four star from Evangel G Gabriel Relliford, defensive lineman, and now you're attempting to flip a five star athlete 
in Terry Bussey. He's 5'10", 180. Seems like he could factor in that defensive backfield immediately, potentially. I had heard that LSU's like definitely going to get Bussey. I don't know about that. Um, Alabama's still in the mix. Apparently, Georgia and USC have shown up as of late. Um, according to On3's reporting, uh, Bussey is uh, going to visit Athens in January, so don't love that. Still, he's been to LSU a bunch, multiple times. The path to the field at LSU would feel as wide open as anywhere you could go. And who knows? Maybe some coaching news coming down that could end up sealing the deal one way or another, right? Like if you go get Corey Raymond, does he have a relationship with Bussy? I don't know. But I do know that Corey Raymond could recruit his ass off. He could immediately form one and then maybe convince him. And if you do convince him, well, then all of a sudden this class is just impeccable. Like I liked it pre-Dominic McKinley, pre-any five stars. I already thought it was a fantastically constructed recruiting class. And now you had two different five stars at positions of need. If they do end up landing Bussy, and that is just an absolute home run. And then when you combine it with what we broke down yesterday, the absurdity that is the 2025 class still together on this day of our Lord, January 9th, 2024. It still feels too good to be true. We'll see if it ends up holding true. But this 24 class, which is now firmly in the top 10, creeping towards top five, and is very well-recruited positionally and built on a foundation of Louisiana talent, as every national championship team has been. And now in 25, you have the number one player and quarterback in the entire the number one player in the entire country who's a quarterback. He's the number one receiver in the country to Corey Moore. You got the number one running back in the country in Harlan Berry. And I think you got the top tight end, linebacker, D lineman, and a missing a position in the state of Louisiana already committed. I mean, it is kind of absurd the amount of offseason juice that BK and this staff and this program has right now. And you know it's kind of funny, Taylor, Alondra. Now, if Jim Harbaugh leaves, it can be very interesting to watch those BK rumors swirl. I think they go more. Michigan does, right? And again, I think that like we kind of broke down last week, I think having your name in these rumors is always um, good business. Force your current employer to give you a raise, anything like that. Uh but it is kind of funny what difference two weeks can make because when this original like whole like BK to Michigan thing at the time, Matt House was still employed. You know, there was some other you, you didn't have um Harlem Berry or or um Bryce Underwood. And at the time you're kinda of like, yeah, whatever he wants to leave. Now it's kinda of like, well, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, surely he wouldn't leave, right? We need him. He's doing and and it's true. I mean, you see the twenty-five class, all their answers about the class are like the belief in the, the vision that BK, what BK's building. So congrats to the staff, man. They're on a heater. And I'm excited to see how this staff ends up shaping out. Uh all right. End of hour one, hour two coming up. Keep it locked off the bench. Off the bench with Hester and T Bob. 